begin our worship this evening on page 120 with the confession of sin. We will follow that with the singing of hymn number 510. And uh, that, by the way, the, the hymn, the first hymn we will sing is a, a beautiful uh, combination of, of all the aspects of the catechism. Uh, and this week in the church here, we're reminded of the importance of family and raising children in the faith. And it's kind of a nice, very quick, simple way to refresh ourselves in those wonderful truths that we find in the catechism that we learned as children. Please join me then uh, with the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at his hand, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. O come, let us worship him. Let us kneel and bow down before him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy, for the almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let us join our hearts in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that by the work of your Holy Spirit, you have called us into your kingdom of grace and made us your own dear children through faith in Christ. We pray tonight that you would strengthen us in that faith through the hearing of your word and stir up our hearts that we may live out the wonderful Christian virtues that you have instilled in us through Christ. We ask it all in his name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God's grace and kindness and compassion are yours to be found only in this Savior. Our text for tonight is, is one of the readings for this week from the ancient church. It is taken from the 12th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning with verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Uh, about four or five years ago, or maybe a little longer, I was playing a game, a board game, with some children. And I was the only adult at the game. And there was a child there, a young girl who was probably about 10 or 11 years old. And the other children, there were maybe three, four of them, were about eight years old. And I started to notice, just as I was watching everybody play their hand at different things, I started to notice that this older girl was cheating and was very obviously taking advantage of some of the other, other uh, younger children that were playing. And she wasn't aware of the fact that I could see this, and I noticed this, and I finally kind of started to call her on it. And she adamantly denied that she was doing any type of cheating at all. And finally, at the end of the game, I kind of pulled her aside. And I said, what fun is it to win if you cheat, if you had to uh, take advantage of younger children in order for you to try to win the game? And uh, tried to impress upon her the importance of honesty. And she adamantly denied that she had doing, been doing anything wrong. But I clearly finally pointed it out to her, and she had to finally admit to the whole thing. It's interesting how we try very hard, I know I do, to keep our motives hidden from people because on the surface, on the outside, we like to have people think the best of us. We like to have people have a wonderful impression of us, especially among fellow Christians. But sometimes our motives, our motives inside, I know for myself, they're not quite as pure as that. They're, I may have other, another agenda going on. Tonight, as we walk through these virtues that St. Paul is encouraging us to have as Christians, I'd like you to first of all look at them through the, the, a window of complete, absolute honesty about yourself. Uh, if you will, kind of a mirror down into your, own, into your own heart, as I'll do with mine. Let's just walk through some of these statements. Love with sincerity, he says, without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. 
That means that, that the love we show should be true and sincere. And I know a lot of times when, when I can outwardly appear to be showing love, sometimes it's, it's mixed inside of me with some pride. I want people to notice that I'm being this kind to somebody, or maybe even to the point that I want them to kind of repay me and uh, somehow recompense me for something that I'm doing so nicely to them. Paul goes on, he says, hate what is evil. Think of that statement, hate what is evil. Sometimes we revel in it. Sometimes we look for it. Sometimes we try to find evil. Sometimes we find ourselves not only, not only being drawn toward it, but inviting it into our lives. He says, hold on to what is good. Again, it's easier sometimes to hold on to the things that, that we know aren't good for us or that God would want. And sometimes we hold on to things that, that uh, we know clearly in our hearts are wrong. Maybe, maybe having a hard time forgiving somebody that did something against you when God would call upon us to forgive them the way Christ has forgiven us. Revenge can feel pretty good sometimes, or, or maybe once we've heard something about another person, we hold on to that message and make sure to pass it on to other people so that they have the same bad impression of that person as you want to have in your heart toward them as well. Or maybe it's something as simple as lust or greed, wanting to hold on to thoughts and things that clearly go against God's word. He says, be affectionate to one another. It means to be, be kind-hearted, to, to have a compassionate heart to each other. And maybe we get to that sometimes, but it can be pretty tough. Um, I know for myself, I'm rather self-focused on, well, how are people treating me rather than the other way around? He says, be patient in tribulation. Oh, is that difficult? When things aren't going right in our life, when we're facing hard problems and difficulties in our families or with our health or monetarily, whatever it might be. Boy, it's easy to grumble against God. It's easy for me to, to act like God could care less about me and grumble about my life. Patient in tribulation, he says. Then he says rejoicing in hope. He's talking there about going to heaven someday. Rejoicing in the hope that we have of going to heaven. But for myself, I'll have to admit, even though I work in this and preach in this and teach in this all the time, keeping my heart and mind focused on that that's really where my home is, that's not always easy. Martin Luther used to have a way of saying it. He said, all it takes is holding a penny up to your eye and it can block out your view of heaven. All the earthly stuff that we can think about and want to get and attain can just block out our view of what really matters to us, going to heaven. And then he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And I don't know about you, but prayer is not something that I just naturally automatically do, other than maybe sitting down at the dinner table. I have to force myself to think about it. I forget about it. I neglect it. I forget to think how wonderful a blessing it is. He says, given to hospitality. That means thinking about what's going to help another person more than yourself. That's, that's about as far away from how I think so often during the day. Now, why does St. Paul put all of these statements in front of these Christians in Rome? These Christians in Rome, 
possibly had been living under persecution. Some of them might have been um, even eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. These were, these were some of the really early devout Christians. Why would he put this list in front of them as if these were things they needed to work on? Well, here's why. All believers continue, even the strongest ones, even those that knew Christ personally, struggle with our sinful human flesh. These are things that, that just don't come automatically to our old Adam. These are things that, that believers have to strive toward and work toward in their lives of faith. And sometimes it can be very difficult. All of us struggle with this old Adam. Luther used to say it's like mud hanging onto a tractor wheel. It just stays with us, our sinful human nature. So looking at yourself like I would myself through this first window as we read through these, that's not a very pretty picture of us. But the second window that Paul has been holding before his readers all the way through this chapter is the window of Christ and the window of his crucifixion and the window of his holy, perfect righteousness. And Paul reminds us that the blood of Jesus Christ is, has been given into this world to make payment for all of our sins. As John says, it cleanses us from all sin. Paul writes to his readers just earlier on in this book, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We now can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes. And then he says to us at the beginning of this very chapter, look at your life in view of God's mercies. That's a great passage. So rather than looking at yourself honestly as we could with all this wickedness that we can expose going through this list that would just crush us, he says, rather look at your life in view of God's mercy. In other words, in view of how God has chosen to look at you because of his compassionate heart through Christ, his mercy toward you. And so with that in mind, we can now look at ourselves in a different way. Because what Paul is saying is that that second window of the cross of Christ and of his red blood now is the very window through which God has chosen to look at you. He's chosen to look at you through the filter of his own son's blood that wipes all of this away and causes him to now look at you as if you are a holy, perfect saint, as if you had lived every one of these statements absolutely spotlessly throughout your whole life. When I was in sixth grade, a couple people told me they thought I could draw. And so I got excited about that and I bought a pastel set and a really nice pad of paper, spent a lot of money on it. And I started to draw and the first good drawing I put together was of a boy fishing on a dock with a straw hat on. And my mom thought that that was just beautiful. And she took this picture and had it framed and it was in the living room at our house for a while as I was a child. Many years later, I actually went on to art school at Mankato State, got my degree, and I happened to come back home one weekend when I was probably now in my mid-twenties, and I hadn't seen that picture since I was a little boy, and I saw this picture up on the wall, and it was awful. It was so bad. 
I thought, who would have ever thought that I could be an artist someday? Look at how terrible this was. But my mother was proud of the work I had done, and despite the imperfections in my artwork, held it up before people that would come into our house and said, look what my son has done. That's how our gracious Father is toward us in heaven. Even though our lives are still speckled with the sins that we show and the selfishness and all of that, yet because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us calling us to faith in Christ, these very virtues are present in the hearts and lives and minds of God's children, even though it's hard for us to see them sometimes. But our Heavenly Father is proud of this faith that he himself has put inside of you and instilled inside of you. And he loves to see these virtues come out, even though it's maybe not as frequently as they should. And yet in his great love for us and in his pride, he holds the members of his church before the world as his holy saints who are bound for heaven someday. May God give us hearts to appreciate the way he looks at us through that frame of Christ and help us to see ourselves likewise in that same way and to live lives that reflect this wonderful vision God has of us. Amen. Please rise now for the versicle and the nunc dimittis.